0: Welcome to I Come As One, a podcast co-hosted by Black women on a mission to build community on the foundation of our culture and authenticity while holding ourselves and others accountable for championing our success and well-being. Thanks for tuning in to our empowering conversations about workplace trauma, career and business development, personal and professional growth, and so much more. Head on over to IComeAsOne.com for all of the links to watch episodes on YouTube, follow us on social media, and join our 10K community. Hope you enjoy this episode. Always with love, Fatima, Kristen, and Sean. On this episode of I Come As One, the message is simple, take care of your mental health. Leslie Holly, a nationally certified, licensed clinical professional counselor, details the challenges that black women are facing today and shares her expertise on the benefits of clinical support. Did you know that although women experience depression at rates twice that of men, black women are only half as likely to seek care as white women. While self-care has been at the forefront of conversations on how to help black women, we're beginning to go further by removing the stigma around mental health counseling and therapy, embracing it as an essential part of our normal lives. Your well-being is urgent, sis, even if you're living your best life. Tune in now and head over to IComeIsOne.com for the complete episode guide. If you'd like to say hey or leave a comment, reach out at hello at IComeIsOne.com. Hey friends, it's Fatima, and welcome back to the I Come as One podcast. Now we don't know when this episode is going to air, but we wanted to take a moment and say Happy Juneteenth because today is June nineteenth, and you know, our audience is black women. The black community is all about culture and authenticity. So we would be not true to our brand and our stories if we didn't acknowledge Juneteenth. So thank you ancestors for for bringing us (laughs) to this day.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yes. And we'll probably dig deeper into that because today we're talking about mental health, which we know is just uh, a topic that is near and dear to um, our community. We've had such a struggle with it, but now thanks to, frankly, celebrities and things that have been happening in the news, we're peeling down the stigma of mental health awareness and mental health challenges. So we are um, just uh, thinking about how powerful this conversation is gonna be today with our expert, Leslie Holly. Yeah. So she yes. Is, yes, she is a licensed counselor here in the Silver Spring, Maryland, which is DMV for those who don't know area she has her own practice, uh, the healing circle, and we met this is always story time when I come as one, mm-hmm. but um In the news recently, you might have heard about Sheryl Sandberg, who was the COO of Facebook and was really credited with help building that company. And I don't know, 15 years ago, she wrote a book called Lean In and talked about, you know, how women need to be more engaged at work. But a big part of her story and her message left out Black women, single women, um, all sorts of the rest of us. And so there was a lot of conflict with that movement, but Mm -hmm. in recent years, they've really taken a stand on equity for all women. And as a part of that organization, uh, there are lean-in circles all across the world. And so as a part of the Lean In DC network, um, I am a lean-in circle moderator for this area. And Leslie joined uh, our circle. So we connected that way. And we are just trying to make a difference in the community through uh, that lean, bigger lean in community. So welcome to I Come As One, Leslie. <laughs> Thank you so much. Welcome. Yes. Um, so could you tell us uh, some more about who you are and what you do in this
2: space? Sure, sure. So, yes, my name is Leslie Holly. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in downtown Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm also licensed in DC and Virginia. Um, In Missouri, Um, but I originally got my license in Chicago, Illinois, where I also taught some supervision classes in the mental health field for graduates coming out to be new clinicians. I've worked at large private practices, helping them set up their private practices, and then eventually opened my own. I've been in private practice here in the DMV probably four and a half years now, and I have a successful practice. Most of the clients that I see suffer from depression and anxiety, See many women of color Mm -hmm. around the age of 25 to 55 Mm -hmm. dealing with depression, anxiety, life transitions, uh, setting boundaries, healthy communication skills, and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. Yes. um, All of it, right? (laughs) Right. Um, I feel like
1: I was being described right there, you
3: know? (laughs) We might need to make this a whole session. Right.
1: Send us and a bill I, at the end. Send us a bill. And I will say that. Send us the bill because <laughs> I'll say I am two weeks into my journey with therapy because I've been putting it off for so long. And like you say, like that anxiety, life transitions. I graduated with my PhD in August. I don't remember the term right now, but there's a term of like a period of depression that a lot of women go through or a lot of people go through after their PhD where they're like, what now? Mm-hmm. What do I do? And I found myself sort of slipping into that space of uncertainty because I think prior to that moment, you knew, right? Like, okay, I'm in school right now. I'm graduating. Next, I'm going to get a master's. Next, I'm going to get a PhD and then get another job. And I did all of that. And then I was like, what's next? What's next, Kristen? <laughs> like, what's next on the plate? And I found myself putting more pressure, but I had accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. And I didn't understand why. I was putting that pressure on myself and being a part of a lot of groups for like Black women doctorate, Black women PhD, Black women public health. Mm -hmm. And I noticed like a lot of these women had been talking about that phenomenon. And I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Like this is gonna be a moment of peace that I've been waiting for. And so I'm just curious. I know obviously patient client privilege. I'm not asking for stories specific from your patient, but just, you know, through your work, what have you noticed maybe being, I don't know if it's a trigger or main reason that a lot of um, Black women or women of color are experiencing anxiety and depression, and if it's specific to that age group, or is there a life occurrence that kind of triggers it that where, you know, starts at 25?
2: Yeah, so I think, um, Kristen, I know we used to coin, like, the the mid-20s, late-20s, now quarter-life crisis,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: uh, and that was a, a a term coined maybe you know maybe 10 years ago or so I'm sure there's some new terminology around that I think we're looking at is people wanting to live an authentic life and I don't think we do a really good job in our society of teaching young people how to find authentic happiness once they check all the boxes off we're really taught right go get that degree you know how important college is how, how important that second, third degree is, how important it is to buy a home, how important it is to like do all of these other things. And then once we check all of those boxes, I would say pretty much 80% of my clients, that's why they come in. They say, I've done all of the things and I'm still not happy. I still don't feel happy. Um, And I think we have a lot of different ideas on how to acquire happiness But when we look at external validation versus internal validation, I think our society focuses a lot on this external piece of the things I can grab and they're going to make me happy. But what we're really finding is if we don't have that internal validation, it doesn't matter what we get externally. It will never be enough. And so how do we walk through this life trying to find authentic ways of being, Right. So that's about setting boundaries. That's about identifying what our values are and making sure that we're aligned with our values because our jobs are going to change. Our life circumstances are going to constantly change. And we really don't have a lot of control over that. You know, COVID really reminded us of that, that one day things can be fine or normal and the Mm -hmm. next day they're not. And even still in COVID, we don't understand who gets it, how you get it, what's going to happen to you if you get it. Um, And so there's all this uncertainty. So really we have to look at our internal validation. How are we getting those needs met and how are we living an authentic life? So yes, to answer your question, many of my clients, that is what they're experiencing and they're trying to find their own happiness.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. And I'll, you know, hand it over to others. But I think that internal versus external validation really speaks to me just being that, we're in a culture now where social media is kind of defining happiness and it's usually tangible and it's usually external and I you guys know I'm really into the IG group or whatever but TI is one of my favorite rappers just I don't know and he had to explain himself on social media this week because he didn't do a post for his daughter's birthday he was like this is my daughter like I speak to her every, like in real life. I don't need to post a whole story on social media to show my love for my daughter. I can do that in private. And I think that's something that we're missing, especially in my generation, as far as you can do things outside of others and do that internally to find that peace and what makes you happy so that stood out to me yeah
2: no I think that's I'm sorry go ahead oh I was just going to say on the TI note (laughs) because he defended his son Mm. you know acting a
1: fool sure Um, did
2: You know? And it's like, okay, well, but I digress. I don't agree with
1: everything he does, you know? I'm like, babe, that wasn't okay. (laughs) Okay, Kristen, now now you're back, you're back. We know for a minute. We didn't know where that was going for a minute. But in that moment, for him justifying not making a public display and I think a lot of that goes back to their relationship where she's asked not to have everything put on social media Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she wants to be more private and he's finally like okay I'll respect that you're a woman now you're not my baby anymore I understand and everyone still has that expectation of Mm -hmm. what he should do sorry go ahead Sean.
3: No I that's such a great point you know there's a little I was just telling someone the other day, I was like, you know what, God just really won't let me be as ratchet as I want to be. <laughs> I digress. You know, I love, a, you know, Southern and country and all that kind of good stuff. But I think since we're talking about sort of these distinctions generationally, um, Leslie, I just wanted to know if you could speak to, um, I think some of some Black women, a lot of my friends even are sort of. Uh, Delaying or prolonging certain more traditional things in life like having kids and getting married. Um, And I wonder what sort of role you recognize that's played in some of your clients and if you had any um, sort of thoughts about um, how to sort of move through that, how to transition through that. Um, because I have a number of friends who are my age, which is 37, they are still doing the things that feed their spirit. And then they're like, now I'll get to some of the more traditional things that people expect from women. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: you know well I love to hear that they it sounds like they're out there living their best lives and I we are yes. we are uh you know Kristen is over here gallivanting across the world you know I try I
1: when I grew up starting the 30s with a bang
2: I love it you know I think in talking about this how society deems what's important. Mm -hmm. You know, for Black women, I think we all can agree when we look at Black love and we look at, you know, getting married, having kids, the white picket fence, the American dream, if you will. For many of us, it's really hard to find that, Mm -hmm. um, given the current climate of things. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it is out of our control, right? But when we do look at the numbers, there are more Black women than men, than Black men. There are more educated black women than black men. We have a lot of black men incarcerated um, for all kinds of reasons um, that we can't control. We have black men that don't even date black women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we also find that black women tend to be very loyal to black men. So when you stack up, and I was listening to a podcast talking about this, if you were to line up every black woman and every black man, there's going to be lines and lies and rows of black women over the black men. And then we add these other statistics, which also makes it really hard to find that partner. Mm -hmm. Then you add on to that, right? Everyone out here living their best life. And then, you know, this clock that we have that men don't have, right? So you look at all of these factors and I have a lot of black women coming to me upset, angry, disappointed, because there were things, you know, maybe at 30 or 35 that they wanted, they wanted the house, they wanted the husband, they wanted the kids, and they weren't able to find that at that time. So what I really addressed with them is, again, that internal validation, you know, finding a space how can you authentically be happy with you and whatever adds to that or takes away from that to remind yourself that at the end of the day, your happiness, you're in control of that, that your environment is constantly gonna change, your circumstances are constantly gonna change. So how do you decide to live your best life now? What are we waiting for? Why are we waiting to do the trip? Why are we waiting to buy the house? Why are we waiting to move to you know internationally? Start living now and what comes with that will just increase that happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also there's a piece of just normalizing that this is kind of where we are. And I think traditional now looks different given the statistics, given the the climate, given where we are, given the economy, Mm -hmm. um, this is just where we are. Traditional doesn't look the same. Mm -hmm. And I think for many of us, I mean, even I know my parents, they're in their seventies, they're still married. I remember I was 25, I'm 45 now, at 25, my mom was like, I just don't think you're going to get married. I don't think you're ever. Going to get <laughs>
3: and, and you know, That's what they say Leslie, I don't know what's wrong.
1: we all having the same conversation.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm 25, and later on, I did get married and have children, and now divorced. However, they have a different mindset. They have a different lens of way of looking at it, and we have to remind ourselves that the world is changing. We're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Nothing is our fault. This is kind of where we are. What we've been dealt. How am I going to still live my best life and choose happiness and what that looks like for me? Whatever adds to that and comes along my way, great. It's all about having that positive energy, manifesting positive energy, and positive energy will come back. One thing that I'm picking
0: up on is you said 25 to 55, and that's a big range. But the problems that the women are facing in that range are all the same. And I don't know if it's COVID or what but the world just seems to move so fast so when we are delaying or when we are going after the external things we do look up and we say oh no wait a minute we're we're 50 or we're 55 and we're still having the same um types of problems and so there's this myth I think sometimes that the older you get the more figured out you're going to be but you're you're saying that is that's not necessarily true if you don't do the work and another thing that you mentioned was core values. So, you know, you and I have talked about coaching and that sort of thing. And I like to focus on core values because those things are constant, whether you're 25 or 45 or 55. So leaning into them at 25 or even at 20 can sort of help maybe along the way if we go more internal than external. So that's just my, my, my lessons that I'm, I'm getting from, from what you're saying. But speaking of the world changing, and you talked some about COVID and how that has just exasperated all of these things that are happening. So could you go deeper into that?
2: Yes. Well, first, just to piggyback off what you were saying about you know, this age range from 25 to 55, what I also find is a commonality is we're always thinking about what's what's next, what's next, what's next, instead of focusing on the now. Mm -hmm. And how great the now is. Have you ever looked at a picture of yourself when you were young and you were like, man, I had it going on and I wasn't even in that space. I was thinking about what I had to do next. Mm -hmm. Time is now. It's always now to be focused on what am I doing now to create happiness in my life? Because I can't get, we can't get this hour back. Once this hour is gone, it's gone forever right? So how do I really focus on the now? And in regards to the values, what I try to do with my clients is we do a values assessment, which I'm sure is a lot what you do in coaching. And then we'll pick about five to seven values for them to write on some type of like motivational poster or dry erase board. And I ask them every week to really check in with, am I aligned with my values? Am I aligned with these, these things every day? Am I matching these? every day when I did my values assessment and I said, I really wanna focus on my religion and my spirituality. And I thought about, it, I'm like, I don't even pray every day. I'm not doing it. Like <laughs> what am I doing to, get there. To, to really prioritize this value and stay aligned with that? Mm-hmm. But as in, in regards to COVID, yes, COVID just really, you know, I thought, you know and I don't know anybody's political um, opinions but when Trump was elected um, prior to Trump being elected It would be typical in private practice on the during the summer months to be a little slow and then trump was elected and that just blew everything out the water we were always yes we were always booked with clients because people were really having a hard time with just all of the different messaging that they heard on tv constantly um and everything that kind of transpired from from that president's um presidency Mm -hmm. so then you hit have covid and it just inc- applied more pressure. I have many of um, my colleagues are overworked, burned out. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gotten many requests uh, for work from home or time off from work. People are afraid to go back to work. Their anxiety, if they had generalized anxiety disorder, it's severe now, it's it's you know very extreme. Um, if they had depression or isolation issues, it's extreme at this point. And so COVID really peeled back the layers of some of the things that we've already been dealing with and really made them unfortunately worse for people. So what I find is a lot of people are struggling again with going back to work or with isolation, um, in the DMV, this is the transplant city, so I have many clients and people that I've met that moved here during the pandemic or right before the pandemic, and they don't know their coworkers, only know their coworkers from a Zoom screen, yeah. they don't have any friends or family in the area, um, many single people, they're very isolated at home, they don't have a little village of people to hang out with. Um, and it's a reminder of that especially when you go on social media so you add social media into that and if you don't have any supports or you don't feel like you do and you go online everyone's having their best living their best life it just makes you more depressed it makes you feel more isolated so i mean i we all know that the suicide rate has gone up Mm -hmm. um we've been seeing people you know really struggle with that and it's been a shocker for all of us on top of that the whole george Floyd thing. just so much has happened and everyone's kind of at the, in their home experiencing these things by themselves. Mm-hmm. So I've seen increased anxiety for people. I've seen increased phobias for people. I still have clients presently that aren't leaving the house, um, are terrified to go to the grocery store. Um, I've had many women clients that really wanted to start dating um, or looking for a new job. And they just felt like everything halted with COVID for a while, that they felt like they had to put everything on hold. And people became very resentful for that.
1: Yeah, I will say um, COVID for me was more of like a blessing and a hard time because I was able to like focus more on my PhD and finishing my dissertation, but then. Everything happening in the world was tough. So George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, all these things were happening, social justice, and it made you live this in a different space. To your point, being home alone, and I have a cousin who moved to DMV, COVID happened. All these things are happening, and he did what you're mentioning, locked himself inside. He was afraid to leave the house because he's a Black man wearing a mask. What does that mean for me? I don't feel safe. And I can only imagine how many other young black men or older black men are having these same thoughts. And then for me, my thoughts were more about the workplace. I was happy to be at home. I was away from the microaggressions. I didn't have to deal with the comments about the new presidency that were insensitive. And people didn't know I was an immigrant because I don't speak like I'm from another country. There is no way this applies to you. And I was like, I am from another country and I'm insulted. I'm offended right now. And it was just that environment in itself is something I think people forget about because when you're in a Zoom in a virtual setting, yeah, you have some catch up, you know, moments to connect with your coworkers, but they're more surface level. How was your weekend? How is your family doing? And then you just sort of move on from that. But for me, I found refuge in that space. And so I'm curious about if you have pointers for others who may be on the fence about reaching out to, you know, therapists or specialists for whatever they're dealing with, because we know in the Black community, of course, there's still that stigma. You're strong. Talk to God about it. You're fine. I've been doing this my whole life. And it's, you know, that narrative still does happen within this space. So what would you say to someone who's still on the fence? They aren't sure about where to start. Start or what this could potentially mean for them to get through a hard time.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think a big piece of the hesitation for therapy in the Black community is that we are used to dealing with so much just in Mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. So we're like, I can take it, I can handle it, I can handle it. A lot of research shows that Black women in particular, when they do come to therapy, they're like three or four times more stressed than any other population when they come. So they're already dealing with more than most of the clients coming in for therapy. And I find that personally too. Like, wow, where have you been? How have you been managing all of this? (laughs) All of this normalized, yeah, it's normalized.
1: (laughs) And so one of the things
2: things that I always tell my clients and encourage them is, is that this is time for you. This is you choosing you and saying, I'm sick of having to be the strong black woman all the time that I'm gonna do something that's for me. And this is for me, this is a gift to me. Mm-hmm. I also tell clients, cause I do have some clients that are really excited about therapy. I have, they're like, I wanna do therapy. And then they come to therapy and they're just like, so, you know, basically they want me to do magic tricks. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just like, <laughs> therapy is an interactive thing, right? So when you want to, if you do want to do therapy, it's, it's really good to have a space of reflection, journaling, mm-hmm. thinking about what are your goals for therapy? And then how are you applying those goals outside of therapy? Are you processing how you're feeling through the week or how you, how you've been triggered? Um, how are you preparing for your sessions? Now, yes, your therapist is there to help you and guide you through that, but you definitely want to bring something to talk about or something to the table. It does require some vulnerability once you do feel that you can trust the client-counselor relationship. So there it is, you know, I think a lot of people think, not a lot, some people are just like, I want to do therapy, but they don't really think about what that means to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The homework, the actual work. Mm -hmm. I always tell my clients, I wish I had a magic wand and could just (laughs) say we'll take the anxiety away, but. (laughs) It requires more than that, right? And I'm going to ask you in between session, how did that, how did that go? How did that work? Have you been journaling? It's also a place to be accountable, right? Mm. So, be prepared to do some work there as yeah. well. And then I also tell clients, I have clients sometimes that say, "Well, I have a husband or an uncle or a father, and they need therapy, or my mom really needs therapy, or my sister." And I, you know, I, if you just talk to them, maybe they'll start.
0: <laughs> you know, I Not always me is them. <laughs> hey
2: can't change anybody.
3: I can't be the problem. It's not. <laughs> no, never,
2: he's stubborn. We, we have to meet people where they're at and then decide what to do with that. If we wanna create healthy boundaries, we can model behavior for people, we can make suggestions, but we can't change people. And I say, yes, I will say that sometimes maybe therapy isn't for everybody. Maybe everybody doesn't wanna do therapy and that's okay, but they need to be doing something to help manage their symptoms. If they're having anxiety attacks, or they're having isolation and depression, what are they doing to help themselves try to get out of that? Are they starting to go on walks more? Are they journaling? Are they going to join a book club or maybe like a ministry at, at, at church? But what are they going to do different to help manage those symptoms? I don't have to be you know, the answer to, to everything, but it has to be something. We have to, the acknowledgement of it is, is 50% of it.
1: Yeah. I'm happy you said that, you know, it's not for everyone, but do something. So I was at the point of having anxiety attacks. And so it was just be moments of being overwhelmed. And I recognize that most of it was just unrealistic. Like, There's nothing you can do about that. I need you to relax, Mm -hmm. calm down, Kristen. But I researched it, you know, the true researcher in me and I found adult coloring books. And I was like, are you kidding me? I bought one. It There's one with curse words and yeah, sure. it just oh my FYI. gosh, really? Can you yes. I'm gonna <laughs> you got uh, too excited, Kristen. <laughs> I know because if you know me, I'm working on that. But yes, I it it's so intricate in the design that it makes your overactive mind focus on the little details and it channels that anxiety into a different space. And so for me, it actually worked. I remember. I left it open one day and my family was in town and my brother-in-law looks, he's like, are you coloring? Like, are you five? And I have my nieces and nephews like, I want to color. I'm like, that book is off limits. That's for (laughs) auntie. And he tried it and he was like, wow, that like actually worked. So I think just finding whatever that might be for you and not listening to what others may think. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip
0: side of that too though, Kristen, you influenced him as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, is powerful too because on the one hand it could be you got ridiculed you're going to put your coloring book away and never use it again (laughs) but by sharing it you you are influencing that and I think that's such a great part of the
1: point
0: our community community as well you know
2: if if one does it it becomes more and more acceptable yeah. And I like how you said that. I always tell clients, you know, using your I statements, you know, this is what works for me. I've tried therapy. It's been helpful for me. And just sharing that with someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: People can receive that better than you need to do this. You should be doing this. You need people shut down. <laughs> <laughs> do. Hey, this is what worked for me. I tried it. It's been really helpful for me. I was feeling this way and that way again, those I statements. And if you ever want any information, I'm happy to share that. mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think, so I go to therapy, therapy as well. And, um, and it's, I, I'm not the person that's just like, you know, let's start therapy. I, I believe it works. I believe it's useful. I, I, so I tell people these days, the best advice I can give you is to find a therapist, <laughs> um, particularly because like, I think everybody needs someone that's going to, like, it's a safe space, but someone that's going to challenge you and hold you accountable. And I had a friend of mine share with me that her therapist mentioned that, um, oh, you have a high tolerance for pain, and I and I connected with it because I used to tell people, you know, like physically I have a high tolerance for pain, and I was like, I was out here in these streets using that as, as like something positive, and when I arm it emotionally, right, Mm -hmm. like it is not the healthiest thing. So I do appreciate you, Leslie, you know, focusing on like the strong Black woman and the good friend and the, you know, you see on, on Instagram or different social media where people say, check on your your strong friend. Um, mm-hmm. So I do appreciate you sharing that. And uh, and so I also, I want to just reference something um, Fatima was speaking of in terms of community and, and that support. And so I wonder if you have any thoughts about Um, building community around, like, mental health and and wellness. Um, And we like to think of I come as one as a community, right? Yeah. To 10K community. Um, but I think even the collective of the three of us, we we use our chat as a form of, of therapy and regrouping and encouragement. And girl, don't buy that, but yeah. don't, don't quit your job either, right? Like, so we found a way to sort of make that there. So I just wonder, Leslie, if you could just speak to uh, building community around mental health and
2: well-being. Yes. Well, I think for those of us that are extroverted, you know, I always tell people, you know, join different groups. Meetup is great, especially when Mm -hmm. you're in the meetup.com. There's tons of groups that you can join to fellowship with other people that look like you. I also tell people, especially all of my clients of color, you know, it's, it's great if you have friends from all different backgrounds, that's fantastic. But you also need to be fellowshipping and connecting with some people that look like you. It mm-hmm. helps you kind of recognize, okay, I'm not, you know, we're very similar. We're going through the same things. How did you handle that and create a safe space for that? Um, for my introverted clients, that can be a little bit more challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it sounds great. Oh, just go to this meetup or go to that lean-in group. And it just gives them anxiety right away. Yeah. So what I try to talk to them about and give them support around is finding a group, a group therapy um, session, because in group therapy, you don't have to be, you can be the person who's introverted and just sit there and listen, uh, feel supported Uh, get your feelings normalized by listening to other people tell their stories. And then you can warm up and find time to say, okay, now I'm ready to communicate. Now I'm really ready to express myself six, seven, eight, nine sessions in, and I, I feel like this is a safe space. So it allows you to kind of just dip your toe in, but still be in that space, getting the support that you need. Um, And still being able maybe to make new connections with other people. So I really try to find uh, for my introverted clients that are really isolated. If they're in individual therapy, I also always try to find some groups that will work well for them. And there's many, especially for women of color, there's many Black clinicians out here doing all kinds of virtual groups. I've done some myself. They've been really fruitful. Um, Many life coaches as well are doing a lot of um, inspirational groups and things like that. And the nice thing, you know, about COVID is we can do it virtually, right? We're all at home right now. So yeah. it's not like you have to, you know, anticipate getting ready and showing up and all <laughs> of that that sometimes comes with that anxiety, that, that, that social anxiety. You can do it in the comfort of your own home. You can even keep your screen off if you want in, in, and <laughs> and take your time to warm up. But again, right, you have to be doing something. Um, for my clients that um, are religious or spiritual, and they're in a church home, I encourage them to get more involved there. Or maybe it's volunteering. I have clients that mm-hmm. say I'm not really a people person, but like I can volunteer at the food pantry and I still get those needs met. I have surface conversation with people there and I still feel connected. So there's a lot of different ways that we can get that connectedness. It just looks different for everyone.
1: Quick question. What is meetup.com? I'm not familiar. I didn't know they still had it. I thought that was was like my space. It was gone. Is that to meet
0: friends? Mm -hmm. Yes. They have all kinds of random people. Um, Mm Yes. i centered around a, a a topic or something a like topic, that, or it could be a book
3: club. It could be
0: adventure yeah. 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 groups,
3: it's, hiking groups, uh, hobbies, I, just whatever. Food. I know there was a group that was just meeting over like trying new rest, rest oh restaurants. Oh my gosh, it's talking to, to my heart, <laughs> right? Like you can find your love language. <laughs> on meet up, right like yes. I'm looking this man. up
1: now I have friends I know that and my friends at this point are like you have too many groups <laughs> but I am an extrovert and so like I think I thrive in those spaces. I guess
2: you could even start your own meetup group that
0: um, you took that's what I was gonna say and not just meet up <laughs> but whatever it is
3: mm-hmm.
0: because okay. um some of the best ideas are born out of a niche i mean a a void of something Mm -hmm. and you finding a solution and creating it and most people tend to do that with themselves first i couldn't find what i wanted you know i didn't find um the support that i needed so i created it myself and before you know it, it you have been an answer to someone else's prayers and what they've needed so i think that's great advice too
1: Amazing Mm -hmm. advice. I've been looking for a Black women program management and healthcare specific group in Orlando. I think you can just go ahead and start that. (laughs) I think I will I'm just gonna add it to the other 10 things I'm doing, you know? Yes,
3: but the benefit of that, right, is that it's you're already invested. It's not something else that someone True. is bringing to you that you then have to get invested in it's like no I'm interested I need it also like I'm mm-hmm. not just interested but I need it and so I think you just come to the table like you don't have to get buy-in from yourself and I think True. that's the cool thing about those types of groups is like you don't have to spend a lot of time on the small talk with some because you're already invested, right right each other from just these things already yeah. um, so I agree
0: so to go a little bit uh, deeper into the healing piece, I know we, we talked about COVID extensively, but another, I guess, external factor of that is that people have lost loved ones, family members, to COVID and there's this element of grief. And I know you have a sort of unique partnership with a funeral home helping families through grief. So is there anything you wanted to share about that?
2: Yes, um, Blacks are two times more likely to lose someone during COVID. And when we were talking about COVID and some of the anxieties around that, there's that added layer, Kristen, you were talking, I think about your cousin. Yes. moved. There's that added layer. That was one of my first fears, like early February, March, when we first started talking about COVID is going to the doctor, going to the hospital. If you get sick, um, I have two children, two boys, and I've had traumatic births. I've had a terrible experience in the hospital um, with one of my children. So I just don't like going to the hospital. Um, Worried about, are they going to give me good care? Are they going to give me the, the proper testing? I've had many clients tell me horror stories about being in the hospital during COVID or not being admitted and their partner almost like can't breathe at all, but they refuse to give them the proper medications to help them. So there's that added piece of fear of like, if something does happen to me, Will I be able to get the care that I need? That fear—it has just heightened that fear that we have. Yeah, sure. So you know, we are, like I said, two times more likely to lose a loved one in COVID. Um, we're dying at higher rates from COVID because of, you know, socioeconomic status, uh, practitioner racism, like we're just talking about. So there's so many factors that that come involved with how we are managing COVID and how we are dealing with COVID. Um, many of us too have family members. I mean, I think just in our society, we have a lot of people that some are anti-vaxxers and, mm-hmm. you know, having these other conversations. So dealing with the medical field and in COVID for, for Black Americans has been traumatic. Um, on top of that, when you lose a loved one from COVID, um, people have terrible stories about not being able to say goodbye to their loved ones, yeah. not being able to bury them properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stays with you. So we're really, you know, pre-COVID, we were already dealing with a lot. We're always, unfortunately, dealing with a lot, right, as Black folk. You add COVID into that, it has just exacerbated a lot of these symptoms and issues. And you'll find that, right? I I have a lot of clients that have said, well, I was barely managing these things already. (laughs) And now I just, I can't manage, you know, I really can't. So we're seeing that, you know, Black grief as it pertains to COVID and just the world we live in right now is really high. I think too, agitation is really mm-hmm. high. I mean, we see that all over the country for, for many people, that agitation is clearly high. But within our communities, there's a lot that we deal with on a day to day. And Kristen, you you mentioned these Zoom calls and I'm glad that you're able to say, you know, this is now I can compartmentalize it. I have many clients that find themselves very agitated in these Zoom calls <laughs> when people are asking them about you know, the weather and what their kids are doing for the vacation yeah. after the Buffalo shooting. Or um, I'll just be frank, this may be controversial, but talking about how we need to donate money to Ukraine and all that we need to do. Oh, yeah. Ukraine, yes. I think many Black Americans are like, hello we need help here. reparations
3: reparations we're please. still waiting so, <laughs> but the team was going to get reparations in
2: every
1: episode. every episode she you know
2: interested. it's so, juneteenth it's juneteenth you know that part, exactly you know. <laughs> and so i think and i've even experienced it myself you know with the shooting in, in texas devastating oh right God. but i remember that was right after buffalo and um, a lot of the associations I'm involved with, they were like, we've got to do something because of this Uvalde shooting. And the first thought I had was, what it's about population? Buffalo? Well, why are we, you know, and so, right. And so I think as a black woman, you know, I, want, I have empathy, but then I also have this anger about like, what about us? That invisibility has just become more apparent in the current climate that we're in. Um, How we, you know, with this current administration, the invisibility just has become more and more apparent and it's increased our agitation level as well. So I would say, yes, now is a good time to get into therapy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that Um, you brought that up though, Leslie. I mean, not that it was good feeling, but I think it's important to highlight it because thinking back to your comment with the experience with the medical field, you know, I've been in healthcare my entire career, and I've worked for a hospital system. I work for state government, and now I'm in a startup environment. And I think back to just research in general, just being the history of medical transformations throughout history, I should say, and what that has meant for Black people. So I remember when the vaccine was coming out, and I was torn with myself because from a research perspective and looking at the numbers and statistics and confidence intervals, I know that this is a good level of research that we're seeing. It's not new technology and it makes sense. But then I think back to Tuskegee, I think back to, you know, stem cell research and all these things that have happened and even coming more close to home and the experience that others are having that I've had, you know, taking my stepfather to the ER just for him to be Put to the side. And it got to the point where I'm bringing up what these contracts state and that someone needs to be here within 30 minutes when they're on call. If I wasn't there, what was going to happen to him? He's there for heart palpitations and heart irregularities to the point you've admitted him immediately, but not urgent enough that a doctor needs to come down and see him. Like, what does that mean? We know that Black women are still dying at a higher rate than white women when they're giving birth. So having you share that is very much real. And I know a lot of people who actually don't know that statistic. And so that causes me anxiety about even thinking about having a child in America is knowing the possibility that I may not make it is so much higher than another um, woman that might go to the hospital and just what that experience looks like and how we've been lied to, you know, and Form of medical treatment over the years that does still affect us today, and why we're skeptical and anti vaxxers or don't want to do it. And so, having these mandates of having to be vaccinated to get a job, great. We already have other things that we have to fight against to be employed. And now, here's another layer. So, I think there's that um, battle that a lot of people are having in the community between trust and not having that trust and their experience and trying to provide for their families as well that's kind of added to that anxiety and the stress levels in this time that we're going through for sure. Yeah, in that agitation,
2: right? Because Mm -hmm. you're telling me I have to get this vaccine. And you're right, we don't trust these systems for good reasons. Right. (laughs) So you're (laughs) telling me I have to put this in my body now? Like, why, you know? And so early on, I had a lot of conversations with clients around that and processing that. Like, what's, you know, weigh the pros and cons. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen on each side? You know, these are things that we have to look at because we weren't getting great messaging you know, from our president, um, from government of what to do here. It was just like, people are still confused on what they should do. Should I get the next booster? I don't know. There's not a lot of, it depends on what you're reading, what you're going to feel comfortable with. And people are really, you know, have anxiety
1: around that as well. So I'm curious, I know we're kind of close to time, but I know you're practicing across different states and different states handled workplace policies and COVID policies differently right so i'm in florida and we know that it's pretty lax not required (laughs) vaccination is not required to go to a restaurant versus like new york was very strict on what that looked like in california so we know there's a difference there have you noticed a difference in conversations with clients or the experience with clients based on the different states that they've lived in or is it somewhat similar
2: well, actually, it's it's different. Um, so my clients in Missouri, and I lived in Missouri for a year. I actually helped put a private practice up for a larger group practice in the Chicago mm-hmm. area, in Missouri, in St. Louis. And my clients there, um, most of them, my clients of color work in pretty much not predominantly all white environments and they're the only Black person there. I think you you worked in the Midwest and we talked a little bit about some of those experiences um and you know people anti-vaxxers um anti-abortion um Mm -hmm. so a lot of the things that they're dealing with um is a lot of insensitivity around Mm -hmm. um people well, you know them wearing their masks. So now we're in a space where people are having to go back to work. Many of my clients are deciding, hey, I want to wear my mask. You know, some people have joked like some of these people I worked with weren't didn't wash their hands pre-COVID. They didn't, no, you know, they didn't. or cover their mouth when they coughed. <laughs> exactly. Um, and now, you know, in COVID, I certainly don't trust. You know, no. the environment is going to be, you know, very healthy, and so them getting a lot of backlash well you know you don't have to wear your mask or why are you wearing your mask and kind of being um aggressively questioned about them just wanting to wear their mask at work themselves Yes, yes um in the DMV um many of my clients they're really kind of how can I get out of this how can I get out of this (laughs) the loophole (laughs) What are some things we can do so that I don't have to go to work? Or maybe, you know, I can minimize the time I have to be at work. Um, How can we feel, you know, get some advocacy around that? Mm -hmm. The the topics tend to be different. Mm -hmm. This is
0: reminding me of the conversation we had. I think it was with Alexis and others, but just how so many Black women are moving into entrepreneurship. And I can see yeah. this being a factor as well. They don't want to go back to work. So now they're liberating themselves through entrepreneurship. They don't want to be in these workplaces. And so they are, are mm-hmm. finding themselves or reinventing themselves in a different way. And I, I can just see that connection there. Yeah. So um, any other messages
2: that you want to send to our audience? Um, let's see. Well, Like I said, you know, everyone doesn't have to do therapy if they don't want to do therapy, but you have to do something. Self-care is very important. Think about all of the obligations that you have throughout the day and throughout the week. Find something that is not an obligation that you can do at least once a week for yourself. Pencil it in your calendar. Say, this is my time. It's my time for my bath or reading a book. Also meditation. People, you know, tell me all the time, I can't meditate I can't do mindfulness. It's just, I can't sit still. That's okay. There's different ways to do mindfulness. Kristen talked about the coloring book. That's a way that gets you focused and creates a mindfulness activity. You can do mindfulness in your car. You can turn off your radio or, or turn on some sound waves or something. There's some apps out
3: there as well.
2: Yep. Mm. Laughter yoga. I, I discovered Wait, that.
1: Laughter yoga?
2: Yes.
0: Laughter yoga. It's so like the <laughs> laughing and breathing. So... <laughs> I'll do a quick one I only took it once so I'm, I might mess this up but you could just say he he ha ha ho ho and you keep doing it faster and faster and faster until you like burst out laughing <laughs> so he oh he ha God. ha ho ho he he ha ha ho ho and then it's breathing you know you're concentrating the sounds are taking your mind away have giving you something else to concentrate on and then you know laughter has that Um, feeling to it anyway and there are other exercises that you can do like making funny sounds with your breathing and so i i am not of the traditional yoga or meditation or mindfulness practice but something like that i can do it's accessible it doesn't feel you know (laughs) yoga-y
3: and
2: And the reason why it's important we always talk about self-care and reducing Mm -hmm. stress you know when we're stressed our cortisol levels go up you know, fatigue, heart disease, all kinds of things, um, medical issues that we can have. As black folk, I don't care who you are, you are stressed. (laughs) Facts. You're stressed out, I don't care. Woke up like that. How comfortable your life is right now, you're stressed. Absolutely. (laughs) doing some of these things, like we all take, most of us take vitamins, right? Mm -hmm. Take vitamins for our body. This is a way of taking care of those stress levels and reducing our stress levels, right? So it's really important to take the time out to do that, something that's not an obligation, that's just for you. I love this idea with the mindfulness. Also going for walks. I love if you can do a quick 15 minute walk, try to ground yourself, you know, try to do some deep breathing, try to focus in on the temperature, you know, the smells in the air, you know, um, your breath, doing some of your breath work. It doesn't take long. You can do this in 10, 15 minutes, but make it a priority.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: that. yeah make it a priority
3: i think that's probably the best advice uh we can yeah. give each other um and and to those who listen as well as to like make it a priority like make you a priority make your well-being a priority and i can't believe i just dropped my phone i hope it didn't crash <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't make it a priority uh, is what it's telling me, yeah. uh, but no, I think that's just super great advice because I think to all of the points that have been made here, we just, um, often are less on less or the last person on, on our priority list. And, for sure. um, I think even coming together as to do this podcast was an opportunity for us to make us a priority, make Black women's lived experiences a priority, make uh, coming together community support a priority. And I personally just want to thank you for joining and facilitating this conversation for for us and yeah. helping us continue to make these conversations a priority. I was super appreciative. Yeah. This it. is a little
1: therapeutic, huh? It is. <laughs> like I have to echo Sean because Being so new in therapy and I'm hearing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes me feel happy to know that you're doing this work, that other Black women are coming to you and they are getting the help that they feel they need and having that space, that safe space to have that. And I laughed a little when you said finding something for you, because that is my assignment for the week. (laughs) (laughs) Something that is not, I'm very type A, I'm very scheduled, I'm very you know detailed in that sense but i keep forgetting to take that step back for myself and so that is my assignment for the, for the week is to find that activity for myself and i think that's just great advice for everyone to take a step back like even if you are a mom and you have young kids or you are working 80 hours a week take 10 minutes to yourself to sit back reset yourself and say this is my me time whatever that looks like for sure Absolutely. on i
0: just I remind ursula burns she's the yes. former ceo of xerox i think it was and she was in the news the other day like you don't have to go to all your kids games <laughs> okay that, that's the premise <laughs> like you don't have to do yeah. everything your
3: kids will be fine if
1: you they miss will love you one or two yeah.
3: soccer games so, and sometimes just, we need the permission, right? Yes. Like, hope if if whoever's listening, if you need the permission to is. not do something for someone else, you you have it. Sean says you have permission. Um, please don't sue me. Um, I was gonna say now to y'all y'all heard who said that now. <laughs> well that and Kristen co-sign it as well, but then you reason. have the permission to just prioritize yourself to do something that you don't have to share with someone else, that you don't have to run by someone else and Um, and yeah, I think you have the permission to just do something for yourself, prioritize yourself and, um, and, um, and I wanted to, um, ask Leslie if she will just share any sort of, um, um, ideas about how individuals might search and, and, and sort of, um, explore, um, finding a therapist for themselves if that's what they choose to do well
2: you know i i would tell you um psychology today but of course i want to plug i think it's blacktherapists.com. oh right? yeah Blacktherapy.com. i don't have the right one if someone could look it up really we'll, quick we'll yeah, in the show, show yeah notes we'll
0: get the show well. notes mm-hmm. yes
2: yes um but there's a site specifically to find black therapists mm-hmm. um myself i'm on psychology today and you know i I've been pretty booked so I haven't um, thankfully needed to, to use any of the other sites. Um, but those two I think are the are the quickest ones. Now also you can call your, your insurance company and say, hey, I wanna find under behavioral health, that's one of the options when you call and say, I want a listing of um, mental health therapists in my community. You can even tell them women, women of color, they will send you a list just like you do for a doctor when you call and want a listing they can give you a listing of the therapists that take your insurance. So that will also help. And I do know with psychology today, it's, I feel like it's like Facebook for therapists, mm-hmm. It shows what insurance they take, yeah. uh, what populations they work with. It has a nice picture. They even, even have video now. So you can mm-hmm. have a intro of your therapist so you can mm-hmm. see what they look like. Um, people also will give them little comments or feedback of like, their experience with that therapist or other colleagues that they work with. So it's a nice way to kind of get a nice overview. And then also when you do find um, a couple of therapists that you're interested in, see if they do a free consultation. I offer a free 15 minute consultation. Many therapists do, it's pretty customary to do so. So I would say shop around, like Mm -hmm. want it to be a good fit. I mean, just because the therapist is a great therapist, doesn't mean it's, the right therapist for you and that's okay. Maybe you're not vibing. You really wanna find somebody that you really vibe with and connect with and you feel like you could trust over time. Mm -hmm. Don't force the relationship. If it's not working, it's okay to say, hey, you know, I think I'm gonna terminate. I wanna try something else. Interview three to four therapists, do a quick 15 minute consultation and then, you know, make a decision. In that consultation, come prepared, asking them questions, whatever you'd like to know. How do you work with a client? What does it look like in sessions? Do you give homework? What kinds of theoretical approaches do you use? So shop Mm -hmm. around. You have every right to ask these questions Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you get a good fit.
1: I yeah. like that. That's yeah. great. And I will say one of my close friends has been on her therapy journey and shared with me like what that felt like for herself to shop around for a therapist. She's like, one therapist is great, but maybe we're talking too much like friends. I talked to her like that's my BFF. Yeah. And maybe I need to take a step back from that and just doing that thought on what you need from those sessions for sure is great advice. Absolutely. In
0: addition to, the, um, to your health insurance, <laughs> most employers also have employee assistance programs EAP with a hotline that you can call and that should be free um at least up to Mm -hmm. a certain point you might get two or three
2: sessions free Mm -hmm. so that may
0: be a good option
2: absolutely go ahead yeah they usually Mm -hmm. offer around three to five sessions if they have an employee assistance program
1: Mm -hmm. and when looking for new jobs ask them what is their mental health benefit because my company just launched a new thing, and the company offers 10 okay. free sessions 10 to 12, depending on what that looks like. And it could be coaching or it can be a therapist, they have different options as well. I was like, Well, wow, yeah.
2: perfect timing! Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, and <laughs> also
2: take your again. personal days that's what you're there for. Yes. You know, people come to me, they're stressed out. I'm like, well, when was the last time you took a day off? Well, I can't take it. You can take a day off. they will be fine. (laughs) And telework
0: is not taking a day off. People think, oh, I'm home. So I don't want to take off. Like, it's different.
3: Different. Take it
0: (laughs) off. Yeah. It's more more and more companies are investing. Just like with DEI work, you know, there Mm -hmm. is a business case for investing in your employees their profits go up their goals are met when you have employees who are healthy for sure so they're finally getting it so we'll try to capture a lot of this in the show notes maybe a little teeny (laughs) exercise that people can do uh, on their own or something and then just your pointers about um, how to pick a great therapist yeah so you are um, also officially in our 10k community. Um, you know, our, our, um, podcast is built on the quote, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And so we are trying to build that community of 10,000, uh, women and supporters through Facebook. So welcome to that club.
3: Thank you. (laughs) you. you. Yes. It
0: sounds like we need a part two or maybe a part three. I can also (laughs) see like you know, every season, just Leslie dropping in because there are more and more things to tackle. The conversation itself is evolving. There'll be something else. We might still be in COVID, but with things that are, are, how things are changing, um, it's a constant conversation, but it's not stale. It's it's new every time. There's a, a gem every time. So you are always
2: welcome back to our microphones. Thank you. I was so Thank happy you. to be invited. It was a pleasure being here and sharing today and meeting all of you lovely ladies. Thank Bye. you, Leslie. Thank you
1: Take so care. Much, Leslie.
0: Thanks for listening. Visit icomeas1.com for complete episode details and don't forget to like and share.